today is an exceptionally special day. A day that Christians all over the globe right now are, are, are celebrating in unison. And it is the day that we are celebrating the, the rising of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And contrary to what the world has us believe, Easter is not about Easter bunnies, finding eggs, or special deals on cars. It is the day that our Lord has risen. And it is the very reason why we are here today. If it weren't for Jesus' death, and in particular his resurrection, there's no reason for us to be sitting here celebrating the death of some person. Early 1900s English pastor John Stott said this, we, referring to mankind, we live and die, but Christ died and lived. And how true is this? There have been many movements led by great men and women in this world. There was one movement in particular that sent shockwaves throughout the whole world that changed human history as we know it. It was not just the coming of God incarnate. Not only the death on the cross by this God-man, Jesus Christ, but it was his resurrection. What I want to share with us today are the implications of his death and resurrection. What do they mean for us as believers in Jesus Christ? We all know as believers that Jesus Christ came to the earth to die. And this is what the cross symbolizes. We see a cross behind me, a cross a symbol of justification, being reconciled with God, our sins forgiven by the shed blood of our Savior. But what does it truly, truly signify? What did Jesus' death accomplish on the cross? Well, for one, we know that someone who died on the cross, he had to be a worthy sacrifice, pure and spotless. You see, in the Old Testament, God led his people, the Israelites, through commandments. He dictated the way they were supposed to live every facet of their life through the laws that he has given to his people. And the laws were given as a purpose to shape their, not only to shape their life, but to force God in every area of their life. That no matter what they did, from the very moment that, um, that they got up from bed, to the very second that they laid their head to rest, it was thoughts of God. 
thoughts of God consume them. And if they followed his commandments, our Father would bless the chosen people. He would bless them by giving them their own land, giving them prosperity. No harm would come upon them. That they would be the envy of the world. But if they did not, and they turned away from God, curse would be brought upon them. And we know, as we read the Old Testament, that the Israelites failed in keeping up with God's statutes. Why? Because God's standard is perfection. And what do we know about mankind? Man falls short. And why does mankind fall short? It is because of what took place in Genesis. Genesis 3 tells us Adam and Eve ate of the fruit that God forbade them to eat. And because of that, sin was introduced to the world. And we as descendants of Adam and Eve have that in our DNA. We have the sin gene inside of us. Something that we cannot help. We cannot surgically remove it from our body. Because it is embedded deep in our soul. So no matter how righteous you may think you are, you have missed the mark because of that sin DNA. And because you have sinned against a perfect, eternal God, punishment should fit the crime. So that punishment is hell. Eternal damnation. How could God be so unfair and cruel to do such a thing? It is because of God's justice that people must go to hell. They must go to hell because God is perfect. And he must uphold his perfection. That is godly justice. And so we see the judgment falling upon the Israelites. So how were they to be redeemed? How were they reconciled with God when all they were doing was sinning and sinning and sinning before their God? Through means of sacrifice. Sacrifice was instituted and given to the people of the uh, of Israelites as a way to be reconciled with their God. And through it, we see a picture of grace because it wasn't what they have done that they have made peace with their God and appeased God's anger but it was a, a substitute. It was a lamb or an animal, I should say. It could have been a bull or goat. The blood of an animal had to be shed. And it was because of the shed blood of that animal, that substitute, that God's wrath 
was a priest. The thing about it, we know this from Hebrews, that the blood of bulls and goats does not save us. And this is why they had to do it every year. Yom Kippur, the Day of Atonement. The Israelites came before the high priest to offer up the sacrifice. Two goats. One goat would have the sins of the, Israel, of the people of Israel laid on it and sent away. An illustration of this, their sins being forgotten by God. And the other goat will be slain and the blood sprinkled over the altar. Representing that death had to be the only means of God's wrath to be silenced and appeased. Old Testament, we have to, we see reference to this Mashiach, this coming Messiah. Now the thing is, we know Messiah is a title given for a plethora of people. King David was called the Mashiach. And you guys remember even the pagan king, King Cyrus of Persia was called God's Mashiach. Mashiach is not a name, but a title. It literally means the anointed one. But the Bible tells us that there will be someone that will come who will have the title of the anointed one, the Messiah. And what will this Messiah do? It tells us that this Messiah will act as the mediator between God and his people. That he would play the role of the high priest. The high priest was the only one worthy enough to come before God's presence. And act as a spokesperson for the people and for God. And it was the high priest who offered sacrifices to the Lord. For the atonement of sins. This was the role of the high priest that we see in Exodus. So the Messiah will, will play the role of the high priest. But what was so shocking about what Jesus Christ did when he played the role of the high priest is that he offered himself as the sacrifice. What high priest offered his own life as a sacrifice to God? It was the blood of animals. But Jesus Christ threw us a curveball. He shocked the world when he, the great high priest, offered himself, offered his flesh to be, have his blood shed on the altar of God. Hebrews 4, 14 says this, since we have a great high priest, who is this great high priest? 
that the author of Hebrews is referring to. It is none other than Jesus Christ. Since we have a great high priest who passed through the heavens. What does that mean? This, we have a great high priest who has beaten death. He is resurrected. Since we have a great high priest who passed through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast in our confession. Why did he offer himself? Because he was the only worthy sacrifice. The late R.C. Sproul, he wrote an article concerning the death of Christ and what took place on Calvary. It was an article that he titled, Christ Became a Curse for Us. And R.C. Sproul, he made notice of this Hebrew benediction that you find in Numbers chapter 6, verses 24 through 26. The Lord keep you, the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift his countenance upon you and give you peace. This is the blessing that is given to us for God's redeemed people. And this is the benediction that you hear many pastors pray after end of a service. But what was so significant about the cross is not only that he died for our sins. It is because he was our propitiation. What does propitiation mean? He took the sins. He took the penalty of our sins upon himself. This is substitutionary atonement. We were supposed to be on that cross. We were supposed to feel the hot, firing wrath of God. And we deserved the punishment. But Christ took it upon himself. He absorbed the wrath of God. Protected us from God himself. So when Jesus, on that cross, when he took our sins... My sin and your sins. And I'm not just talking about the sinful acts that you do, but the sinful nature that you all carry. R.C. Sproul says, Jesus Christ did not hear the great benediction, but the complete antithesis of what he called the supreme malediction. Jesus probably heard something along these lines. May the Lord curse you and abandon you. May the Lord keep you in darkness and give you only judgment without peace. May the Lord turn his back upon you and remove his peace from you forever. It's eerie. I get chills just even speaking those words. How frightful. Is it to hear those words? And what if that was your fate? What if that was my fate? Hearing these words about our relationship with our Father.
the promise given to us by our Heavenly Father. This is what Jesus Christ heard on that cross because he bore our sins. First Corinthians 5.21, for our sake, he became sin who knew no sin so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. How are we made righteous? It is only through Jesus Christ. God only sees righteousness in us because of the lens that is covered by the blood of his son. You cannot get to heaven any other way. You cannot please God any other way except through one way, and that is through Christ Jesus. And it is through the way of the cross. I want you to know what Christ sacrificed. I mention this every Easter. But we know the, the, the movie Passion of the Christ, right? Which is Passion of the Christ. Came out in the early 2000s. Wonderful film. And the most memorable scene to me is not him being brutally beaten by the Roman soldiers. Him being whipped to a pulp. Carrying the cross, which represents our sin. And not even the scene where he is nailed to the cross. The scene that is imprinted in my brain, that is lasered in my mind, is the opening scene, the prayer in Gethsemane, where Jesus Christ, anguished, crying out to God, asking God surprisingly, let this cup pass from me. What was Jesus saying? I don't want to do this, God. If there's any other way besides the cross, I'll do it. But if it be your will, let your will be done. How could Jesus Christ say such a thing? How could our Lord beg God for another way besides the cross when he knew the cross was the only way? It wasn't the cross and the, the, the torture and the pain he, he, he would face that he feared. But it would be because once he took in man's sins, once he took it upon himself as if he sinned, he would be temporarily separated from them. The Trinity will be broken at that moment. The perfect relationship between God the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit will be disrupted on that cross. Something that Jesus Christ has never experienced in his existence. The, the lengths that God went through to take on death so that you may be considered righteous before God. But what is the crucifixion without the resurrection? 
If Jesus Christ did not rise again from the dead, we are most to be pitied, as 1 Corinthians tells us. Your sacrifice in coming out to church, Bible studies, abstaining from sin is meaningless. do this. We come to church. We sing songs because our God, Jesus Christ, has risen from the dead. Because he rose again from the dead, it validated everything that he said. He came to give life. That he is the only way to heaven. John 14, 6, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. You have life because Christ defeated death. This is the only reason that you have any hope in the next life. That you have any glimmer of hope for heaven. It is because Jesus Christ one death. And he conquered the grave. Ephesians 2, 4 through 7. Because of his great love for us, God who is rich in mercy made us alive with Christ even when we were dead in transgressions. It is by grace you have been saved. And God raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus, in order that in the coming ages he might show the incomparable riches of his grace expressed in his kindness to us in Christ Jesus. What do we have? We have life. As Ephesians tells us, God has given us life. But it is only because Christ rose again from the grave. And because we are, we have new life, we are a new creation. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, 17. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. Brothers and sisters, the moment that you receive Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you died. You died with Christ. Your identity is no longer. And simultaneously, you are given a new identity, given a new name, given a new heart, new mind. You are a new creation. And it is because Christ rose again from the grave. You are a new creation. Because Jesus Christ brought new life 
in you. You guys may not feel different. Well, you guys do feel different after believing. You guys, of course, didn't look any different. All of this transformation took place on the inside. There's an Australian pastor, and he's also a blogger, and he wrote a recent article. And it was an article concerning the Notre Dame fire. And you guys know, in France, there was a cathedral, Notre Dame uh, in, uh, cathedral that, that burned. They were able to salvage uh, most of the building. But surprisingly, this fire actually shocked Literally, the whole world, the whole world was in mourning over this um, Catholic church. And it's a mystery why the whole world came together in mourning for this, you know, this edifice. And he wrote this, if, if Notre Dame had burned to the ground, it would have been very sad. Its reconstruction would have been almost impossible. It would certainly have taken more than three days. When Christ died on the cross, it was incredibly sad for his followers and even for a Roman soldier who had seen much worse. But three days later, he rose from the dead. And that is why a few centuries later, Notre Dame was built. And that is why 2,000 years later, some people believe in eternal life and will rejoice on Easter Sunday because our God is not dead. He, is, he neither stayed on the cross nor in the tomb. He is alive. He is alive indeed. And so though the fire that consumed Notre Dame they cannot reconstruct it to how it was exactly to its original. What Christ has done is far superior. He rose again from the grave, beating all odds. And it's because he lives, we are a new creation. Our name is written in the Lamb's book of life, and we have security in the next life. We can die with full hope, knowing that we will be greeted by our Father, welcoming us home. While we're here on this earth, we are new creation. As I said, he has given us a new heart, new mind. He has given us new eyes. And he has given us eyes, correct vision to see who Jesus Christ really is, the source of all life. This Easter is not centered around us and us feeling better. 
because of what Christ has done. This, this time is centered around Christ himself, the redeemer of the church, savior of us. I'm reminded of Jesus Christ's words to the Samaritan woman in the, at the well. John, 14, John 4, 14 reads this. Whoever drinks of the water that I will give him will never be thirsty again. The water that I will give him will become in him a spring of water welling up to eternal life. I love that. I love that so much. We want to have eternal life. We have it inside of us. Just water of life that springs. It's found in Jesus. Those of us who have received Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior, let us think our lucky stars. Let us thank the Lord that he has created us anew, given us a new heart. And the eyes of our heart having been opened, the scales being fallen from our eyes to see the worth of Jesus Christ. In him we have life. And for those who haven't received him, I invite you guys to take Jesus Christ on his offer. It is only through him that we will have eternal life. And that we will have a new life. Because we will be a new creation. As we sing the last song, I want us to just meditate upon our great high priest who offered himself as the sacrifice. The once and for all sacrifice so that we can be reconciled to God.